And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Do it now. We demand you. If you don't, you're evil. <laughs> and so there, go ahead and choose to be evil. <laughs> See if we care. So you're trying to convince me to download your app by saying I'm evil. You might want to try something else. If you don't download the app, you hate puppies. <laughs> But that's okay. <laughs> Puppy hater, go ahead. Don't download the app. <laughs> Continue to be a puppy yeah, hater. Yeah. <laughs> virtue, reverse virtue signaling. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Hey, we're just learning from everybody else how to manipulate people into doing something that we wish them to do. Yeah. Coerce them to do something. Exactly. <laughs> You know, I don't really hate puppies. I, I guess I'll download the app. <laughs> Said absolutely nobody. I, I, I know we're going to get the email. I hate puppies, so I'm not downloading your app. <laughs> that, that's the exact reason I've never downloaded exactly. your app, and I will never download the app. How did you know that's why I haven't downloaded your app? You're on to me, finally. I like cats. I hate puppies. I hate puppies. <laughs> The wagon of the tails and the <laughs> cuteness. Nobody needs that in their life. All right. So I just was doing some, uh, you know, story surfing. All right. It makes it sound more exciting, you know. It's a, a story surfing. I was surfing through various websites. Ah. Sounds like I'm free and uninhibited yeah, there. Yeah, why not? On this little board just going from website to website. Uh, but uh, hit National Review and Christian Schneider's album. This is from four days ago. So, mm. uh, but uh, was talking about Demar Hamlin's injury, and, right. and he said yeah. uh, uh, his injury is shocking because it was it was an outlier. And then he goes through the history of football and says in 1905, 
President Theodore Roosevelt called a number of American leaders to the White House to discuss a matter of national importance. Football had become too deadly. No. Hmm. According to one newspaper account, 45 football players died between 1900 and 1905. Primarily uh, from internal injuries, broken necks, concussions, or broken backs. Wow. Uh, October or The Washington Post uh, in October of 1905, uh, quote, picked up unconscious from beneath the mass of other players. It was generally found that the victim had been kicked in the head or the stomach as to cause internal injuries or concussion of the brain, which sooner or later ended life. Wow. They actually had a meeting. Did Biden call a meeting yet? <clears throat> I, I That's a good question, actually. Said despite Roosevelt's efforts, football then played only with leather helmets and minimal padding, hmm. continued to be a deadly game throughout the remainder of the 20th century. In the first six weeks of the 1961 season, 18 young men between high school and the pros were killed by injuries to the head or neck area. One study published in 2013 found 243 college and high school deaths related to football between 1990 and uh, 2010. Although nearly two-thirds of those fatalities were due to indirect uh, causes such as heat exhaustion. Hmm. Remember that? Remember when that was a thing? Making you work out without getting water. I remember yeah. I had a basketball yeah. coach. Yeah. Right. You know, nope, you don't get water. We're going to practice. You need to be tougher. That's the complete opposite now. Yeah, because dehydration is the way to become tough. <laughs> Said no expert ever. But no, that was, <laughs> I know that that was. The, and, but that was the thing. And now it's completely the opposite. They right. want you chugging water constantly. Remember salt tablets? Yeah. yeah. But it basically goes on to talk about how football is safer than ever before. Mm -hmm. That it's, you know, that's that's why right. there's so much of a shock is right. because. And it says, you know, not that and they chastised the, the NFL for knowing about concussions. But he said now the concussion protocols in and people talk about Tua on Miami. Remember when he got hit mm -hmm. uh, and he was stumbling around? Yeah. That, that, amazing. The first time that happened was at a Bills game. Mm. Mm. I believe it was the Bills game or was it the week after they played the Bills when that happened to him? I can't remember which one. I can't. Mm. Now no, I got it. I got it. Messed. I remember. Uh, uh, I just can't remember what it was. But it was mm. two games where he had it. Now he may. Uh, now I don't think he's going to play in the playoffs at all. You know, he didn't play uh, yesterday, so I don't think he played last week either. He's out because of that. But, and they talked about the fact that, yep, uh, what happened to Tua wasn't, uh, you know, uh, shouldn't have happened, but they fired the doctor. Yeah. The doctor was fired. He says, you know, they don't actually stand for that anymore because that was pretty obvious to anybody out there that whatever, when, because when he was stumbling, that was scary when that happened to him. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's the point of making that, you know, yeah, are there, problems yeah uh said but you know it's this when you look at uh what has happened he said uh, between uh these reforms all these reforms appear to have worked between 2015 and 2021 
documented concussions in the league dropped from 275 to 187. This drop coincided not only with the rule changes designed to protect players, but more players using helmets recommended by the league. According to NBC's Peter King, about half of the league in 2015 was using the technologically advanced helmets. Six years later, that number had increased to 99%. Hmm. Uh, clearly, while football is um, more dangerous than, say, golf, other sports aren't immune to dangerous injuries. As Charles Cook noted from National Review, both basketball and soccer have seen players collapse with heart episodes. Uh, any man who watched Cardinals uh, catcher uh, Yadir Molina get smoked in the jewels by a 102-mile-per-hour fastball knows how dangerous baseball can be. Ultimately, who are we to stop telling athletes fully aware of the risks that their sport poses uh, a risk and they should stop playing? Part of living this dream is putting your life at risk, said former Steelers uh, Steelers safety Ryan Clark in a moving monologue following Hamlin's injury. He's right. Participants should be free to weigh their own exposure to harm and act accordingly. Exactly. Provide the information out there. The information's out there. They know it. Like I said, though, they love the sport. They love it. And, and you know, there could be a discussion about uh, modification to the rules or equipment or, you know, anything else, in there, as there has been over the years. <clears throat> but the fact of the matter is these athletes, they do understand. I mean, in recent years, we've seen a, a number of athletes who have decided, okay, I'm not going to play as long. I don't want to play as long because I don't want to have that risk long term i want to mitigate that risk these are all decisions that they are capable of making at that level so clearly football has changed for the better what hasn't changed for the better is our rush to use every unavoidable tragedy as a platform to declare our moral superiority on social media Mm -hmm. as hamlin lay on the field twitter users rushed to their keyboards to declare the league barbaric and to shame people for watching such a violent sport. Mm-hmm. Others tried to use the Hamlin tragedy as a platform to push COVID vaccine misinformation. Across the board, angry people suggested Hamlin's injury had to be someone else's fault. And they had specific information as to who should be blamed. Perhaps there is reform out there that can make football even safer. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt backed a plan to legalize the forward pass, which cut down on the number of plays and ended up in a full 22-player uh, pileup. But for now, we should wish the best for DeMar Hamlin while recognizing the league as the safest that it's ever been. Uh, in small solace, the reason Hamlin's injury is so shocking is because it happens so infrequently. infrequently. And that's true. Hmm. Some of the players were saying that yesterday, too. They said what happened there is, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. And it's true. And, you know, and again, we I saw that, too, as if, well, this is, you know, commonplace on the football field. That's why football has to be banned. Remember that? The people who sit out there and I got to who was it on social media saying it should be banned? Hmm. It was somebody from Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's over and over again. They they've got to, again, as stated here, demonstrate their their. Um, uh, their superior morals over everybody else. 
this is, see, this is why I don't play. No, you don't have the talent. That's why you don't play. You know, I mean. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking of the your high school football coach. Mm-hmm. Eric, you think about band? No, that was elementary school. But Is yeah. that elementary school? Same thing, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And, you know, that's, and, but that's the whole thing is that we've, you know, you've got to condemn. We can all, they can't look at something and say, you know, and, and judge it for what it is. It is a rare but tragic event. But you don't have to get to the point of saying, ban it all, unless you're on the left. Ban everything. Well, tell me what wouldn't be banned. Forget about sports. At my age, I wake up with injuries. I wake up feeling pain without ever having been anywhere near a professional athlete. I'm not even close just from aging. Well, you know, one of the things is... Now, if they could ban right, aging, I, I would well, be for that. But. One of the, and, and I love doing this, So, but uh, when I was... When I started this show, I can still remember thinking, well, when I retire, you know, I can put a good... I was thinking back then, I could put a nice 15 years in, then retire. Mm-hmm. And, man, I can be... I can then retire and I can golf all the time. You know, I've done this show for 15 years. I can retire. Mm. I can golf. And then in the wintertime, I can ski. And mm-hmm. Well, when I got to that full retirement age last year, it's like, <laughs> it's laughable. Yeah, right. And I told a few people, and they said, well, what about those dreams you had? I said, my ankle, and my ankle, I've got, you know, I real bad arthritis or tendonitis in it. Uh, from spraining it five times from playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And if you look at my ankle, when people look at my ankle, uh, in fact, the the first doctor, not my doctor knows, but when you have type 2 diabetes, they always say, do you have swelling of your ankles? Well, yeah, but, but it's not because of diabetes. <laughs> yeah. It's because of five sprained ankles, and it's huge compared to the other one. And right now, I'm in a painful time right now with it. It's just like, and then I'll work out, I'll exercise. It goes away. It goes away for three or four days. Then it comes back for a day or two. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, it's just, um, so, I mean, those those goals that I had, oh, good. I'll be able to ski and play golf every day. I couldn't play golf every day. You should see me Friday. I played 18. It was great. I played good. I went back home. I laid in the recliner. I didn't move. I woke up the next morning. I was fine. I could do went and worked out and did everything. Mm-hmm. But man, those five or six hours yeah. until I fell asleep. Yeah, I'm not 20 years old anymore. Yep. And that really hurt to realize and understand that. <laughs> yeah. No, right. it didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. It didn't. It's you know, it's a. But again, in a in a free society, well, we're still free for the time being. In a partially free society. Yeah. Um, adults are capable of making their own decisions. But, but this is also part of the uh, people are too stupid to make their own decisions for themselves. If you're shouting, it should be banned. Then what you're saying is the individuals involved are too stupid to know. 
And the fact of the matter is, especially in today's world, there's more information that's readily available to them. And I believe they're all perfectly capable of making their own decisions and assessing their own risk. 86690-RED-EYE. Starting and charging system-related issues are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Knowing the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention can help you avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Have your batteries inspected by a professional technician if you smell any unusual or strong odors coming from the battery box. A pungent odor could indicate chemicals are escaping from a damaged or overcharged battery. This report is a service of Shell Rotella. This report brought to you by Lubrifiner, engineering filters that are built to do more for heavy-duty fleets since 1996. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. So there's the the question here, CNN. Has inflation finally peaked? Mm. And I, I, I didn't have to go any further than that. Like, yeah, the answer is no. 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 The rate of the growth of inflation may be down, but you're paying more right now than you were for goods a month ago. Yep. And next month you'll be paying more than you are right now. Right. And the next month afterwards you will be. And six months from now you will be. Right. And over the over the annualized rate of 2% that the Fed has set as the target inflation rate. Right. Even then, you're still right. going to be paying more as time goes on because right. that's but, still inflation, even but, though it's low. But you are paying more than what is acceptable inflation. Mm-hmm. So, no, inflation has not peaked. No. And they even make it here. Well, the hope is that the pace of price increases will continue to slow. Well, that's right, but that doesn't mean it's peaked. Yeah, the rate of inflation is one thing. Right. That doesn't mean inflation has peaked. And I, you know, again, we'll we'll see where it goes for the rest of 23. So here here it is. I use this. uh, Inflation uh, will continue to roll over. We believe inflation peaked in June. Well, no, the rate of inflation did. But inflation did not. Right. God. No, I mean that's that's how you write Gra- it. Grammar ain't ever been my strong point, and and defining you know and and the the definition of of words is not something I focused in in school. But even though I know, you know, whether it's saying football is violence, mm. no, it's not. It's contact sport, or you know, the difference between inflation and the inflation rate. We believe inflation peaked in June," said Nancy. Uh, uh, Tangler, CEO and Chief Investment Officer uh, with Laffer Tangler Investments. No, it has not peaked. No. 
the rate of inflation. May have peaked, yes. But it's still going up and mm-hmm. still going up mm-hmm. at a significant pace. Yep. <sighs> inflation numbers uh, come out for uh, December, come out this Thursday. And uh, I'm interested to see where where it is. Yeah, I, I haven't even seen any projection. No, I haven't seen that yet. each night. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. One thing that I hope the Republican Congress uh, does is pound on the insane energy policy of the Democrats. Seriously, they have to do it. You know, when we were on vacation during uh, Christmas time, you you know we had some cold weather. And I didn't see it reported a lot, but the Wall Street Journal editorial page did. The Christmas electric grid emergency Strain caused by climate policies left too many Americans shivering over the weekend. Worse is coming. And talked about the interconnected U.S. grid is supposed to be a source of resilience, but the government's force-fed green energy transition is creating systemic vulnerabilities that politicians don't want to acknowledge. Utilities and grid operators were not prepared for the surge in demand for natural gas and electricity to heat homes, which occurred as gas supply shortages and icy temperatures forced many power plants offline. The PJM interconnection, which provides electricity to 65 million people across 13 eastern states, usually has a surplus of power that it exports to neighboring grids experiencing shortages. But this time it was caught short. Gas plants in the region could not get enough fuel, which for public health reasons is prioritized for heating. Coal and nuclear plants cannot ramp up like gas-fired plants to meet surges in demand. So PJM ordered some businesses to curtail power usage and urged households to do the same through Christmas morning. Rolling blackouts were narrowly averted as some generators switched to burning oil. Americans in the southeast weren't so lucky. The Tennessee Valley Authority and Duke Energy in the Carolinas ordered rolling blackouts as demand for heating surged. Two-thirds of the south relies on electricity for heating, while gas power generation doubled in the TVA and tripled in the Carolinas. This was not enough to keep the lights on and homes heated. The climate lobby wants all homes and buildings to shift to electric heating, even though it is less efficient than gas furnaces in frigid weather. When temperatures fall below freezing, heat pumps consume more and more power. Quote, with a generation fleet that is more natural gas heavy than ever before, we are using twice as much natural gas to heat homes through electricity 
as we do with gas furnaces, said former Energy Regulatory Commission chairperson Pat Wood told Bloomberg. Uh, Bloomberg, population growth in the Sun Belt has increased the strain on the grid, even as large number of coal and nuclear plants that provide base load power have shut down owing to competition from heavily subsidized renewables and cheap natural gas. The Texas grid has become especially dependent on wind and gas. Hey, we know that, don't we? Yeah, we we do. All too well. Natural gas is usually a reliable power source. It can ramp up when demand increases or wind power flags. But in very cold temperatures, price can uh, pipes can freeze and gas is diverted for heating. On Friday morning, wind power and temperatures in Texas both plunged as electric demand hit a winter record. Gas power generation doubled. Worried, uh, 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 excuse me, worries about a gas shortage spurred the U.S. Department of Energy on Saturday to declare a grid emergency in Texas, and this is Christmas time, by the way, and ease emission standards to allow gas plants to burn oil if necessary. Don't tell hapless Energy Secretary Jennifer Graham, but oil comes to the grid's rescue during extreme weather, not lithium-ion batteries, which can't discharge power for more than a few hours. Then they talk about New England leaned on oil to generate 40% of its power this weekend, even as its grid operator pleaded with customers to conserve power. New York's embargo on gas pipeline limits uh, supplies to New England, which depends on gas for heating and increasingly uh, electricity as coal and nuclear plants have closed, but the region can't import enough liquefied natural gas is uh, in a pinch. While there wasn't a single cause for the power shortages, government policies to boost renewables snowballed and created problems that cascaded through the grid. Well, that's a single cause. Mm. Uh, the North American Electri- Electric Reliability Corporation warned about these the system-wide grid vulnerabilities in a report last month, as did a study group commissioned by the Trump Department of Energy in 2017. The climate lobby and politicians dismiss such warnings and blame the weekend power outages on the bomb cyclone supposedly caused by climate change. Yeah, of course. But storms happened before climate change became the default political explanation for everything. The Christmas emergency was a near-run disaster, and unless the political class wakes up, next time may be worse because we're still shutting down the consistent forms of energy. Yeah, that's that's the you know that's the so-called <clears throat> progress being made is away from traditional forms of energy, which is the opposite of progress because what it will require is these uh, any of these energy providers to scramble during emergencies. And at some point, they're just not going to be able to get the job done. So you'll see it again. And it will be worse. Uh, winter's going to be cold and summer's going to be hot. You aim for the worst possible winter and the worst possible heat in the summer. If you fall within that range, that's what you should be, that should be your goal. That we're going to plan for the worst possible scenario. Not just cross your fingers 
That's what we're doing. We're doing and we're, promote fairy tales. We're doing cross your finger as if what are things going to happen when people lose power that they're going to say, oh, okay, then we should be rationed power all the time. Oh no, that's absolutely Keep, it. What what do they think? But the public isn't. That's not going to be. That may be the reaction from the Democratic Party and the media. That's not going to be the reaction from people who can't get their power. No. Buy the electric car, but don't use it. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially how it happened in California. Right after they issued a a new mandate to kick in in 2035, saying if you're going to buy a new car in California. From 2035 on, it's going to have to be an EV. It wasn't days later they had to scramble to get enough energy for their state. It's pure insanity. You know, as we said, it's uh, it's uh, energy, economic, and national security suicide mm-hmm. that we are involved in. And the public isn't really up in arms over it. People scream and yell. When it happens, mm-hmm. but they never, they never in their mind say cause and effect. They haven't How's yet. It happening? They no. haven't yet. But again, this is you know the the idea of the well prepare for rolling blackouts, and it's because I, I mean, can you imagine the effect of part of a grid? an entire region going down for days, not rolling the grid going down for days. We're on the roads of that. You know, I never got a chance to say it because we were just on vacation so long. I'd for, almost forgotten about it. But when we got the real cold weather, did you get, did you get the notice from your electric supplier to cut back? No, I did. No. And it said, you need to cut back. You need People like, and so immediately, you know, I went. Now I saw the headlines in the news. We didn't get it directly, but no, I did see the headline. No, the I news. got it. I got it. I got the text and the emails. Mm-hmm. You need to cut back. You need to cut back. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, and so immediately I went to the uh, the, uh, the the my grid app. Mm-hmm. I go, well, the grid's fine, <laughs> right? Well, what happened was <laughs> these electric suppliers. When they actually did the investigation on it, these electric suppliers didn't plan for this, you know, didn't plan for it, didn't have the cheap electricity and had to go out and buy a lot more expensive electricity that they can't pass on to the consumer. Right. So they were telling you to cut usage of power so they didn't get burned down the road right. with the expensive electricity that they had to buy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the grid itself was just fine. The grid was fine, yeah. Which is why there was a contradiction yeah. in stories. Yep. You know, you had from the governor's office, hey, we're checking the grid and the grid is fine. Well, then why are we being asked to cut back? Oh, because we got burned. We didn't plan for it. So we're having to go out and buy more expensive energy and we can't pass that charge on to you. Mm -hmm. Your problem. Yeah, because in my my energy company, it's not where they can, you know, they can not like natural gas where they can move Mm -hmm. the price around. Right. You know, I most people have the set fee for a couple mm-hmm. of years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when I saw because that confused me completely. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going Now, I did have in my neighbor, in my subdivision, again, we had gas pressure problems. Hmm. 
but not at my house. Right. But in certain areas of my subdivision, mm-hmm. there were some. So that had to be localized in some. I don't. Yeah, know. and I, I do know that there were some outages, but that that was separate from what was going on with the grid itself. Yeah, it wasn't a grid issue, but that you can expect basically on any given day, even in normal weather. But certainly, if there is a, uh, it's it it uh, it gets a greater spotlight. If the weather is extreme mm-hmm. and you know, this, but we choose this. None of this is necessary. Yep. None of it is necessary. It's we, we chose to do this as a nation. This is what the American public wanted. Well, we yep. didn't want this. Well, yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. No, we wanted the clean energy, but plenty of clean energy. You can't do it. Right. And your energy isn't clean. Right. You bought into a delusional fairy tale based on words like sustainable. It's sustainable. Is it? No. As long as you don't use it. (laughs) I mean, the sun's not going to be out every day. Mostly sustainable. It's sustainable on sunny days. Right. And on windy days. Yeah. It's, if it's, if it's, if it's windy and sunny. Then sustainable during daylight hours. <laughs> I mean, this is the, the this is the madness. Well, of course, it's not sustainable during the night and when there's no wind. Yeah, but we're talking about when it is sustainable. Is it, it me? It's as Come stupid on. as the old joke. You know, we plan on landing on the sun. We're going to go at night. <laughs> I mean, it's the same absurdity. It. And we, if you've been a long time listening to the show, we've been warning about this for the longest time that mm-hmm. they're shutting down. I remember when they started shutting down the coal plants, I was doing my local show. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is the wrong thing to do. You cannot be shutting down this number of coal plants. You're going to leave yourself vulnerable. There's no way you and, won't. And there was, I got, you know, there was no concern. There was no concern. It was like I was speaking to nobody when I said it back then. Nobody right. seemed to. It's like they just weren't there, and it was like, no, you can't do this. Right now, we see where we are—that we are vulnerable in the state of Texas, which shows that you know, because people said, "Well, it's a Republican state; you need a Democrat in." No, what happened was Republicans, a Republican state, decided to a follow the mentality of Democrats. Right, that's what happened. Right. Yep. And if it doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, if you follow the insanity of the liberal mindset. You will still end up in the same place. Bad idea is a bad idea. Right. Political party affiliation or or the title of your political party doesn't matter. And and keep in mind that if we lose power as a nation, you won't be able to read about Prince Harry's book. That's right. Just just think on that for a minute. That could get things moving. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. If you like listening to Red Eye On Demand, we have more of Eric Harley and guests for you. Download RER's Extra Mile podcast. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. The former Virginia Tech women's soccer team member who alleged that her coach benched her because she would not bow down and take a knee 
uh, in support of Black Lives Matter has won a one hundred thousand dollars settlement from hmm. the uh, the uh, the college. So wow! There you go, hundred thousand bucks. All right. So it was a settlement before the verdict was in. So right. Mm. No one claimed any wrongdoing, but the fact is, you got a hundred thousand. Well, you got a settlement. So right. You get a, you, Well, you get a. You get a. There's pain. There, mm. You do something wrong, and there's pain inflicted on you. So right. Now, and mm-hmm. that's the monetary pain mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that you uh, you know that you don't want. Right. Yep. Now it's not like was it Oberlin College? Remember the thirty-six million dollar? Mm. They had a payout. For, mm-hmm. Yeah, saying that that was the bakery or whatever the store's owners were racist. Right, right. They right. had to pay. They finally paid too. Wow. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you wish if you can't listen to us Live in real time overnight on one of our great radio stations. All right, so getting I think lost last week because of the uh, Demar Hamlin uh, story in the uh, the NFL and the search for a speaker uh, was the Twitter files. Let's play this comment and then we'll explain more. Okay. I think we can say pretty conclusively after looking at tens of thousands of emails over the course of these weeks that. The government was in the censorship business in a huge way. Uh, that's, I think, provable now. Uh, and not just one agency, really every conceivable wing of the enforcement uh, agencies of the U.S. government were in some way or another sending moderation requests to Twitter. And in many cases, those requests were being fulfilled. And they were coming from everywhere, from every place, from the NSA to the HHS to FBI, DHS, uh, and even what they call other government agencies, which I think is code for the CIA. So we have yeah, reports from all over, from states, from police departments, everywhere. Uh, man, Taibbi, last week uh, on uh, with uh, with uh, uh, Tucker Carlson, he said, now remember, people have to understand, he's a liberal. He, he, and he's been a liberal. And that's the interesting thing that was done here with the Twitter files. These weren't conservatives doing it. And he said this afterwards. He said, that's been a profound disappointment. You know, for me personally, I gave to the ACLU for years on one of those sort of died-in-the-world liberals, grew up that way. I'm deeply disappointed. I think a lot of people politically on that side of the aisle are missing the boat on this. Right. They don't understand the gravity of the situation. They're thinking about this in partisan terms. It's not a partisan story. This is a story about the architecture of the intelligence community and law enforcement getting its hands on speech, on the ability for people to communicate with one another through platforms like Twitter and Platform. They're doing this in a profound way, much more serious than I thought it was at the beginning of this story, which means when 
he when he started doing all of the research, he had no idea how far government was involved in censoring speech. And he sounds to be somebody who was more of the, you know, the old school liberal. Yeah, right. Uh, who actually believed in freedom of speech. I think you don't hear, because you don't hear any, there is no one on the Democratic side that's talking about this at all. No one. No. Tell me one no. Democrat no. talking to him saying, I'm really bothered by all of this because, hey, if it was a Republican administration, they could do the same thing because the precedent has been set mm-hmm. that this is okay. Mm-hmm. If we don't stop it now, then when DeSantis gets in, <laughs> yeah, I'm just throwing that in mm-hmm. that, you know, because it's time to demonize DeSantis now more than Trump. So right. uh, you don't even hear them saying this could be a problem because those horrible, evil Republicans could get in and do a lot worse than the Democrats would even do. They're not even trying, uh, uh, you know, to sell it that way. You know, right. they're, yeah. and they're just they're not talking about it at all. And the reason they're not talking about it is because they know how serious it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm I'm talking about the Democrats actually in Congress and in the White House. They know where this is going. They know it's not good, but they don't care as long as it's in their advantage. Well, and and that's it. Um, look, they don't want to deal with this. They don't want to break this down because I, I think a number of them can say, well, all right, fine. It it wasn't me. I don't support that kind of behavior. But it is the same mentality, whether you were actually on board at what was going on with Twitter and, and actually worked for Twitter or worked in the FBI (laughs) or not. Um, It was the same mindset. And the question is, where's the condemnation from the left? Now, the American public is concerned about it. All the polls show they are. Sure. Because they realize, well, wait a minute. Um, You know, this is my behavior that we're talking about, especially with some of the stuff we've learned in recent in, in the last couple of weeks on from uh the twitter files that showed that they were going after smaller accounts it wasn't always mm-hmm. right you know a prominent account or a celebrity that they were going after which means that if the fbi can get involved and behave in that way and if social media is going to behave in that way then they can come after me you know, as the other, the uh, Wall Street Journal had it. I'm not going to get into it because there's so many. I'm not going to get into the minutia of it because there's so many aspects to it. But uh, they had uh, there was a, a opinion commentary, the White House COVID sensor machine. And this is the newly released emails. This isn't Matt Taibbi or the Twitter files. This is a lawsuit going on between Missouri versus uh, Biden, as it's called. And the emails coming out on that showing the basically how uh, the uh, the the White House um uh was involved these are newly documented uh, doc excuse me new documents that show the white house played a major role in uh, censoring americans on social media and they specifically were looking into the email exchanges between rob flaherty the white house's director of digital media and the social media executives that proved the companies put covid censorship policies in place in response to the coercive relentless pressure from the White House, not voluntarily, you know, and how the White House was in constant contact 
with them in these emails from uh, Missouri versus Biden. Really interesting reading. Gets into just a ton of different e- emails that they that they uh, get into. But uh, this is stuff that now that the Republicans, now that they have a speaker, uh, mm-hmm. this is the stuff that they have to start pounding on. Because this is the thing, as you notice, this is a topic that the media just won't cover. And we understand that when the media won't cover something, if they know they got a slam dunk, they're going to they're going to be all over it. If they know they can if they can make what they believe is a coherent argument to the public, they'll do it. The reason they're saying nothing is. They're all part of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're all part of it and they can't defend it. Right. Because you can't can't defend it with it shows you can't defend it with the American public. And by the way. If the polls, because when I say the polls, people will say, well, the polls are biased. Well, if the polls are biased to the left, then there's a heck of a lot more people <laughs> that are concerned. And it's already near landslide amounts, even if it skews to the left. Yeah, sure. Of Americans that look at it and go, no. And this is all before the Twitter files, where the majority of Americans believe that social media was censoring because of pressure from the government. Yeah, no, it's that's a great point. It's it was obvious yeah, that they were they censoring. Knew. I think and I think the concern uh, likely had a lot of rank and file Democrats asking, and, why is this happening? And also concerned that that would happen to them eventually if that were going to be the case, uh, that if you're going to let social media get away with this. Look, there's a there's a ton of stuff to learn here. Many massive lessons here, especially the FBI and their involvement. You know, when Zuckerberg was on Rogan and he talked about it, I knew from that point on that was the only reason he appeared on Rogan. Is that he wanted somehow to 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 let it out to the public that the FBI came to them. Now, there's a lot of stuff we don't know about what went down with Facebook and why and 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 how and or why they cooperated and everything else there's a ton of stuff that falls in their own column and we're not going to try and blame all this on a handful of people at the fbi that that essentially put the pressure on social media that's part of it and should be scary to every single u.s citizen but it doesn't stop there and i think it i think it has a uh probably a reverberating effect of both what we learned about Facebook, which was very small. It was only one interview that he did, but I think he unveiled a lot. And then if you pair that with what we've learned from the Twitter files, then I think there is a greater consideration and different emphasis on uh, social media from the from the from the user the public and remember when the twitter files first started coming out the democrats response was because remember it was that the the biden campaign Mm -hmm. and the dnc Mm -hmm. was trying to stop the hunter biden story that's one of the first things that came out right remember the the left well that's not a first amendment issue everybody's saying it's a first amendment issue it's not a first amendment issue because they weren't government yet they weren't government yet they weren't the government yet they were Mm -hmm. simply a campaign and a political party and that's not the government you don't hear that anymore do you no you don't no you don't because that's when they were saying it's not a First Amendment issue. And we said, well, we clearly understand that. But the whole p- point is, 
did the pattern continue into the presidency mm-hmm. and into this administration? That was the whole point. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what we suspected it was going to be by the Twitter files. And Matt, you know, Taibbi saying, I believe it's provable. Yeah, because you got the emails right. that show it. Right. Just like the problem that Joe has with Hunter. Mm-hmm. It's not allegations from the Republicans. Republicans are putting allegations. No. It's the emails from Hunter Biden. Yeah. And Joe Biden. Right. And a voicemail from Joe Biden. It's got nothing to do with the Republicans. This is evidence off the laptop. Mm-hmm. It's not a Republican allegation. It is the evidence that exists in his hard drive mm-hmm. that apparently everybody has now. <laughs> well, I mean, it's yeah. even CBS has it. Right. <laughs> CBS even has it now. Right. And and so it's not, you know, so you can't make that case. Well, it's it's strictly a personal partisan thing. No, it's what's in the it's what's in the emails. Right. You know, when and you look at the difference, Trump colluding with the Russians to hack or change the outcome of the election was an allegation with zero evidence to back it up. Right. What caused this entire Joe Biden, Hunter Biden situation was a laptop that contained the evidence. There wasn't somebody screaming this allegation and then they came upon it. It was the laptop existed. Mm-hmm. And so you look at all of that there. You look at the fact. I mean, there's the Republicans. Uh, if they don't attack this, I'm sorry, then they are idiots. <laughs> yeah. But when when you see that the FBI, I mean, when you look, especially with the FBI's involvement in all of this and having the laptop mm-hmm. and then everything they did by warning, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter what was coming up and by one of the Twitter's exec- executives who said, no, it was going to be about Hunter Biden and they had the laptop. And so they knew they knew it was legit, right? They knew it was yep. truthful. Yep. Whoa. Yep. It's going to be some interesting hearings if they get these, when they get these people, I don't want to say if, when they get these people to testify. Yep. It will be must watch yeah. TV. <laughs> <laughs> Eight six six ninety red eye A first look at agriculture on a state level this winter, per USDA's inaugural State Stories edition for the season. Valid through the end of December 2022. Providing condition ratings and comments on commodities, according to USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. Among the notable observations on the state level, winter wheat condition in southern plain states. So for Kansas, as of the end of December, the winter wheat is rated 49%, very poor to poor. That, unfortunately, is an increase from the previous report at the end of November when 43% of the crop was rated very poor to poor. There is also the combination of drought and last month's cold wave that impacted pasture and rangeland conditions. Oklahoma coming in, 51% of the rangeland and pastures rated very poor to poor and even up north where we've seen plenty of snow and protection from the cold montana rangeland and pastures coming in at 41 percent very poor to poor i'm rod bain reporting for the u.s department of agriculture in washington dc the usda report is brought to you by cenex roadmaster xl premium highway diesel fuel coming up more with gary mcnamara and eric harley it's red eye radio
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, Just to let you know where the the uh, the left's head is, uh, we had mentioned this and just touched on it Friday, but we promised to bring it to you here today. But from the uh, Futurism Magazine, all right, looking into the future. Okay. You know, and to me, I see, you know, Futurism Magazine, what will the future be like, you know, the science yeah. and what will it be? Yeah. And, you know, health-wise, how long will we live? Yeah, and, yeah, right. Uh <clears throat> The headline of the story, experts worried elderly billionaires will become immortal, compounding wealth forever. (laughs) The longer you're around, the more your wealth compounds. Yeah. So compounding interest now seems to be a major concern if we live longer to the left. That's going to be the biggest concern. You're just... But they're not not boredom. I, just, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> but there are a lot of wealthy people out there uh-huh. who just don't want to live longer. They want to live forever. I mean, they're greedy. How dare you? They don't want to live, live longer. Forever. They want to live forever. Yeah. How dare you? And they're using their deep pockets to make it happen. In fla- fact, Wired magazine just declared. That anti-aging research in 2023 could kick antibiotics, uh huh, or not? Yeah, or or not? Or not. <laughs> and could this hype fall short? Sure, <laughs> and it likely will. But it's also possible that the quest for immortality could mark a grim new inflection point in the history of wealth. Oh, my God. These people are just obsessively insane. Well, Not just insane, obsessively. I clearly don't have the same concerns. My concern, if they if they came up with whatever technology, <laughs> medicine, treatment, or whatever, like next week, all you got to do is get this treatment, you'll live to 200. My my first question would be, do I really want to live to 200? I mean, man, 180 is the new 140. <laughs> We're going to hear things like that. I'm in the senior, 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 senior golf league. Well, and, and here's the thing. Are there enough seasons of Matlock to get us to 200? I don't think so. So you're going to have to supplement with murder, she wrote? <laughs> no. No. Oh, wait a minute. What? <laughs> you know what it is? <laughs> the liberals don't want to live forever because it kills the euthanasia movement. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. It does. Oh, <laughs> why are they? Wait a minute. Why did they start out? I just thought about this. Why did they start out concerned with wealth? Shouldn't they be concerned about climate change? I was going to say, the killing the planet. If you're here for right. 200 years, one person. Paul Erlach must be going crazy. Right. No, we can't live forever. No, we can't do that. Climate change. Yeah, right. <laughs> what is it going to take? Oh, my gosh. For one person to live for 200 years? No. See, my concern isn't climate change. It's entertainment you think there's a lot of crap on tv right now 
Wait till people are living to 200 years of age. What is the early bird special? It's going to start at 7 a.m. <laughs> I want to see the radio format for 180-year-olds. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Classic, 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 how, real classic rock. How far back can you go? And really, did Bob Seger have that many hits? And when somebody 180 years old say, could you play something newer? Yeah. I mean, that gives you no you have no perspective as to what they actually mean by that right <laughs> yeah i don't think we need Fourth branch of government, Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Uh, just one more comment on, on this, this story from uh, Futurism, uh, Futurism.com that uh, experts worried. Who are these experts? Experts worried elderly billionaires will become immortal, com- compounding wealth forever. The longer you're around, the more your wealth compounds. And it's like they're just—they're going to hoard it all. They're going to be—they're going to be 500 years old and still hoarding onto their wealth, and and we we need to distribute it with the death tax. So, but yeah, I'm just—I'm thinking my death tax. But but I'm thinking to myself because there was a there was some story out last week that some you know somebody's saying yeah we're we're uh, we're investing money to see whether you know we can increase people's lifespan. You know, okay. so and then it, it led, right. but it led to this. And I'm thinking to myself, the first thing, if you ask me, wow, what do you think about uh, the the fact that we're searching to make people immortal? I can't imagine being a person whose first instinct would be petty envy and jealousy of those that may be able to keep their wealth longer. I can't imagine that being the first thing that comes to my head. Right. What about all the rich people that go broke? That happens. And it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, the statistics show that the well, the the rich are always being replaced. You know, there's a yeah, it's big, not a there's a big a there's finite right. group of individuals. There, there's a there's a churn right uh, in in you know people you know go in and out of that basically mm-hmm. financial financial demographic. Jeff Bezos was in that group, and then his ex wife. You know, then they <laughs> half of it goes to her, and then she gives half of that away, and so on and so on. You know, it's going to be if we're all immortal, <laughs> Democrats are going to demand divorce, so your wealth gets split. Yeah, they're first going to demand marriage, uh, then they're going to demand divorce. Then they're going to do yes, equal rights. Everybody should get divorced, or at least the wealthy. Well. You know, and honestly, <laughs> but here's the thing, uh, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn could enjoy being a couple for 200 years. I do remember one of my favorite uh, series as a kid, mm-hmm. The Immortal with Christopher George. Yeah. And that's, you know, he basically had blood. He could would live forever. 
And yeah, so everybody right. was after his blood. Right. They, yeah. Nobody yeah. wanted to kill him. Right. They just wanted to grab him, put him on a gurney, <laughs> stick a needle in him. Right. <laughs> Hopefully they were the same blood type. I mean, I... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That, I don't know how it works, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there was a certain blood type for mm-hmm. the for the immortal. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I love that show. I my brother and I absolutely love that show when we were kids. Right, we love watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to I want to play this here because I just found it, um, just to show you the insanity because uh, a lot of this goes back to you know we and because I'd mentioned Paul uh, uh, Ehrlich and who was on sixty minutes last week, mm-hmm. who said that you know he. he <laughs> He's not for people being immortal. But it, when I was doing that story, it reminded me of that I found an audio cut of him from 1970. Oh, yeah. And you, mm. you want to listen to him? Okay. I, I just, I got to play this. I completely forgot about it, that I had saved it. Okay. And, and, and this is what he believes we should do. This is back in 1970 uh, because he wrote the book, The Population Bomb, and predicted that all life would be gone. Human life by 1989. Okay, that we would that we would uh, be dying because of starvation and everything else, and all of his predictions didn't come true. And he's viewed as a crackpot. And 60 Minutes put him back on, even saying that you've been wrong on all your major predictions. Mm-hmm. What do you think the future is going to bring? <laughs> yeah, right. But here he is in 1970. Here we go. Now, uh, given the population explosion, let alone in this country, what? can the government what ought the government to do about this well what it ought to do is this the first thing you want you don't want to put i am against government interference in our lives you want to minimize that so the very first thing the government should do is try and take the pressure off to reproduce there's a lot of pressure in our society now to reproduce if you're single people try and push you into getting married you know uh, your wife you have a a a bachelor over and your wife says gee shouldn't i have a nice girl over the idea is you know nobody should escape so there's pressure to get married Young couples, if they don't have children, people say, gee, they must be sterile. They never say, gee, maybe they like uh, good wine and going to the theater and so on. They prefer that to scraping diapers. So there's pressure to have children. So the first thing that should happen is that the president ought to say, from now, here on out, no intelligent, patriotic American family uh, ought to have more than two children, preferably one, if you're starting a family now. Not, not any law, but just say, this is what responsible people do. He ought to make the FCC see to it that large families are always treated in a negative light on television wherever they appear. I so you hear that <laughs> FCC ought yeah. a mandate, mandate a Man- rule. By the way, remember he started off by saying, "I don't think the government should be involved in any of this." But and watch how slowly the government gets involved in everything as we move with along the FCC? here. Right, the FCC should make sure that the TV shows put all you know families in negative light. Right, large families yes. in negative light. Yeah, here we go. Continue here. Let's go. Okay, here we go. There ought to be a tremendous amount of television time devoted to spot commercials, the sort we've had against smoking. Hang on. <laughs> I'm having problems with it. Uh, but the ones in the middle, say in the middle of Beverly Hillbillies, you get a scene which shows Los Angeles in the smog, and it just says this city has a fatal disease. It's called overpopulation. And so long. Uh, now, that sort of campaign, you could you could have a census, a sample census, which would see whether that was having a desired effect. If that didn't, you could move to giving women bonuses for not having babies. That almost certainly would do the job. If that didn't have the effect, then you could move to changing the tax structure. Uh, so that people who had the money and had the children paid for the children. In other words, you would increase taxes on people with children rather than decrease them, since they, when they have the children, they require more services. If that doesn't work, 
uh, then you'll have the government legislating the size of the family. And people say, oh, that's impossible. Government can never intrude and tell you how many children to have. Well, I got news. You know, it intruded a long time ago and told you how many wives you can have. Uh, and there's not the slightest question that if we don't get the population under control with voluntary means, that in the not-too-distant future, the government will simply tell you how many children you can have and throw you in jail if you have too many. So he starts out with, oh, I don't uh, support a government involvement. And by the end, throw the government in jail. should mandate and, and throw you in jail for having kids. <laughs> how big of a family you can have. You would go to prison for having children. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yep. Now, this is, you know, this is uh, <laughs> clearly from someone who hates children. <laughs> yeah. That's the best thing. I don't advocate government, you know, really getting involved in this. Uh-huh. And, and, that, and, that's that, the and then best he just part. rolls out by, by, an entire list right. of things that would require the government's involvement and, at the end, outlawing procreation. And if you don't abide by that, you go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> he was a nutcase back then. Yeah. Yeah, that's only people slightly. Heard, think about this where we crazy. are. Think about this. You hear it now, you go, the guy's nuts. Imagine hearing this in 1970, mm. 52 years ago. Right. And so 60 Minutes brings him on a week ago Sunday mm. and says, yeah, you were wrong. Mm-hmm. But what do you think is going to happen in the future now? We'd like to hear your opinion on this because this sounds like it's going to be serious. Somehow we're still giving you credibility when you have none. Wow. (laughs) That's that's insane. Let me see. You you gave me this list here. Five Senate Democrats who could retire ahead of 2024. (laughs) All eyes are turning to a handful of Senate Democrats in key battleground states to see whether they'll decide to run again. After Debbie Stabenow in uh, Michigan mm-hmm. said she's going to retire. Right. Here are five Senate Democrats. Joe Manchin. Yeah. Ooh. Shock. Think he'll retire? He might. Uh, John Tester in uh, in Montana. Mm-hmm. Tester is likewise the only statewide elected Democrat in Montana, and his seat is also being viewed as a critical GOP pickup opportunity. But yep. ousting the Montana Democrat will be no small feat for Republicans should he run again, given that he's a three-term incumbent. Well, I think if whoever's going to be a point, it's how radical the Democrats are still going to be. Right. Yep. They're, they're right. Not, they haven't changed at all on any of the issues. Right. Uh, Senator Bob uh, uh, Casey, mm-hmm. uh, because he, he recently was at uh, here, the recent past just announced he has prostate cancer. Yeah. Excellent prognosis, but still it's like uh, Senator Tammy Baldwin of uh, Wisconsin, Senator Tim Kaine, Tim Kaine oh, of yeah. Virginia. Right. Jeez, he's a Virginia, come on. He's a nut. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I think those are all prospects. I think uh, I think right now it's and you look at the the 2024 uh, election cycle in the Senate. It favors the GOP. Not that the GOP could walk through that open door because they've proven <laughs> proven time and time again. Uh, I, but I, I, you look at that at that map right there, and I think Tester is one good example. Let's look at it. I mean, cinema. 
basically resigned from her party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so uh, Manchin, I could see him stepping down. I could see him stepping down. Um, I, you know, I don't know about Romney. I don't know about Romney running again in 24. And I've said that from the beginning. I don't know that he's going to run again in 24. Um, he said that, you know, recently that if he does, he believes he would win. And I read that article. Remember mm. how I read that? Mm. I made the mistake on the air. I thought he said he was running for president. Because the article was, a lot of the articles focused on the presidential race right. of 24. Right. And that's what I thought he was yeah. saying, that if he ran for president, he could win. Yeah. Like, what in the world? And I, oh, no, no. Okay, see, so he's running. If he ran for Senate, he mm-hmm. would win again. Mm-hmm. Be interesting. Yeah. No, I, I think it would be. But I don't know that he ever had any intention on running uh, for two terms uh, in Utah. And if he decides to, yeah, I, he, he might. He might win. I don't know. But the Democrats have a uh, horrible, horrible map in the Senate in 24. It favors the GOP. And the pickup could be... Uh, pretty big and so if tester steps down then who steps in right Mm -hmm. if you look at all these five who steps in well if mansion steps down then because you look at the disapproval numbers or the low approval numbers in mansion state for joe biden and could could the gop win that seat well will he possibly yeah or will he go like cinema and declare that he's an independent. Could be. Yeah, could be. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's a very strong possibility. I think that's just as strong as him stepping down, right? I mean, the logic is there mm-hmm. uh, to the same degree, to the same extent. And for Casey and Pennsylvania, uh, you know, you could see that. Um, I'm I'm hoping Oz wouldn't. I was thinking. I was guy. thinking the same thing. But I mean, they they bring up here at the Hill David McCormick, who was a hedge fund guy, uh, who lost the nomination uh, for uh, the GOP, uh, lost the GOP primary rather for to Oz last year. He might, you know, he might be able to pick that up. I don't know. It, would Oz run again? And Pennsylvania? I don't know. Not sure. So. Um, but that's a that's a strong possibility that, you know, if Casey and, as you mentioned, his health problems, it might be the time for him to in this this the conversation you have with your family. Is it time to retire and and enjoy the rest of your life? Um, and in that case, in the case of Pennsylvania, could the GOP pick up a win there, pick up a seat there? Certainly plausible. Eight six six ninety red eye. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Personalize savings on commercial truck insurance with Smart Haul from Progressive. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Not available in all states or situations. Wear your truck on a cat scale. Oh, before we get back on the road, let's stop at this cat scale and weigh. Definitely. Will you use the Weigh My Truck app? You know I'm no good with technology. <laughs> it's easy.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So I just went to the Babylon Bee. Okay. Once in a while, I'll do this at the end of the show and just read off a couple of headlines. Mm. Here's one headline. After 15 grueling House Speaker votes, America's long national nightmare can finally begin. (laughs) (laughs) Coal miner feels real sorry for congressmen having to do all this hard work lately. (laughs) And my favorite, though, Mm. this is my absolute favorite. (laughs) Mm -hmm. AOC asks why we need a House speaker since everyone already has headphones. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, listen, 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 listen. Hard listen, at work over there at the Babylon Bee. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <sighs> Love a uh, a good, well-thought-out joke. They're very good at that. They also have a lot of gold to pick through at the end of every day. Yeah, they really do. I'm not yeah. saying it's easy doing what they do. But they have a ton of material to work with. This is Red Eye Radio. On Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord, we get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.